First John 2, 1 to 2 says this, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Imagine for a moment you broke the law. Let's say you you robbed a bank. And just as the judge was about to rightfully so smack his gavel and sentence you to life in prison, in an intense manner, someone you don't even know pushes open the door, runs into the courtroom with his hand lifted high, saying, I will take your punishment. Spare them. Then he looks over at you and says, I will pay the fine instead of you. Listen, there was a crime that was committed. Thus, justice, it's demanded. The offender must pay the fine or do the time. The law requires it. But someone else paid the fine on your behalf. Now you can go free with a right standing before the judge because your fine was already paid. Let's jump into 1 John 2 verses 1 to 2. It says this. I'm going to read it again. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. Not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. So in this podcast, I really wanted to communicate two points. Two points that I think are beneficial and helpful to the Christian life. And very applicable to the gospel itself. So let's look at these points Points being the purpose it was written, the purpose First John was written, more specifically the purpose this section of scripture was written, and second, let's look at the person of Christ as seen in First John two one to two. First, the purpose it was written it says this in chapter one, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which is with the Father and was manifested to us what we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also so that you may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ these things we write so that our joy may be made complete this is the message which we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. 
It says in chapter 5, verse 13, that these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So, we see that there is a theme in the book of 1 John. The theme is that John is writing for the purpose of assurance, giving the believer assurance. He's really trying to lift up the mirror of the standard of God to the individual people that John is writing to. And he's trying to get people to test themselves, to give them a standard to test themselves to see whether or not they are Christian. And so he says in verse 1 that these things were written so that you may not sin. Christians are noticed by not walking in sin. The person who constantly sins without wanting to change doesn't know God. That's what John is saying. That's what John says in 1 John 3. The, the word sin is mentioned so much in the Bible. It's mentioned so much in, in this letter, especially the word sin. If anyone sins, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. He who sin, he who practices sin has neither seen him nor known him in the next chapter. There's really so much about sin, but I don't want to get so caught up that we hear this word sin and we kind of tune out. Well, I, I want us to know exactly what it means. If, the, if it says that these things were written so that we will not sin, I want to ask the question, what then is sin? Let's not just speak Christianese. Let's see what he's saying. This is a very important thing. What is sin? Well, I think it's interesting that the word sin comes from an archery term. The Greek word hamartia it simply means to miss the mark. When you're shooting a bow and arrow and you're aiming for the target, let's say you miss the target. That act of missing the target is sin. Not sin before God, but the thing is, the fact of the matter is, you missed what was intended to hit. You missed what was intended to hit. I think this is important. And to, to recognize what sin means, we have to recognize first the reason we were created. The reason we are created. God says in Isaiah 43, 7, everyone who's called by my name of whom I have created for my glory. Right there, plain and simple, we were created for the purpose of glorifying God. And so what is sin? Well, picture the target is the glory of God. You miss the target by just a little slant. You miss it by a hair in that sin. You miss what was intended to hit. What was intended to hit was the glory of God. And if you miss then that's sin. Anything that doesn't glorify God for a single second is sin. So John urges us to not sin. He urges us to hit the target, to flee from sin so that we can, in essence, glorify God. But what's the problem? Remember, the person who walks in sin without wanting to change isn't a Christian. Notice the key word I said walk. It means living a lifestyle of sin. Question, if you're a Christian, do you sin? Yes, you do. We all do. We all fail. We all slip up. But what do you do with that failure? Do you stay down? Do you use the grace of God as a license to continue sinning? That right there, if you're doing that, is fruit that you're not a Christian. So let's transition from the purpose it was written so that we will not sin and so that we can have assurance. Transition from the purpose the book was written 
and the section to the person of Christ. It says, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Let's talk through this together. We have an advocate. We have an advocate. What does that mean? What's an advocate? Well, it's somebody who pleads on somebody else's behalf. Somebody who pleads on somebody else's behalf. He helps us. He defends us. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. John is saying, if you sin, you're not left alone to fix yourself. You have a helper. Your helper has a name, Jesus Christ. Jesus is without sin. Jesus Christ is righteous. It says Jesus Christ, the righteous, which means he is the only possible one who could be the helper. He is the only possible one who can be the helper and the only possible one who is the helper because he is the only one who is righteous. He's the only one able to take your punishment. He is the only one who is righteous. How do we know this is talking about a punishment right here? Well, it says he himself is the propitiation for our sins. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation, the Greek word halosmos. It's this idea that two parties can't exist together. Then, if propitiation is made, it means the wrath that separated the two is satisfied. Now, the two can live together. Remember Steve Lawson said something along the lines of this. When Jesus died, it's as if he held holy God in one hand and sinful man in the other. And by dying, he appeased the wrath of God on behalf of the sinful man. In so doing, he brought the two together to kiss on the cross. So what is John saying? He's saying, if you sin and you're truly a Christian, then Jesus Christ paid for that crime. Jesus is the one in the courtroom who bursted open the doors, who rushed in with his hand lifted high saying, punish me instead, spare them. Paul Washer said that it's as if in this moment, God the Father says to Jesus, son, if you want me to spare them, I cannot spare you. The punishment for your sin was entirely put on Jesus, if you're a Christian. Jesus made propitiation. Allow me to qualify this. Jesus didn't die for your sin so that you can continue in them. Jesus didn't die for your sins so that you can continue in them. You can't live a life using God's grace as a license that says Christian and now you can sin and do whatever you want. No, you must get right with God. Come to him on his terms, which means you will leave your sin. If you don't know Jesus as your savior, allow me to encourage you to cry out to God to have mercy on you. God is a just judge. If you're not a Christian, then the propitiation that Jesus made was not for you. Once you become a Christian, once you become a Christian, you're still going to fall. You're still going to fail. You're still going to mess up. You're still going to blow it. 
But guess what? We have an advocate, a helper, a defender with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus paid it all. And all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow.